I think anybody that has a base um, love of music and a love of sharing it and is able to see how much impact they can have on their community will in turn have a community that will support them to make a fabulous living. Welcome to the Teach Music Online podcast, where we help music teachers thrive. I'm Carly Walton, your host, and on this podcast, we discuss marketing strategies, tech for online teaching, mindset for growth, course creation, and so much more. No matter where you are in your journey, here you'll receive weekly inspiration to boost your studio success. Thanks for joining me. Hey teachers, today's episode features a discussion with the one and only Eric Branner, one of the co-founders of Fonz, which is now owned by Make Music. I always love having Eric Branner on the show. He and I became friends about four years ago when I first found Fonz. Fonz is an incredible software, which we talk a little bit more in the episode. But Eric is such a champion of music teachers and helping teachers and all service providers live to their highest potential. You are not going to want to miss a second of our discussion today. What I thought would be a pleasant chat about how teachers can diversify their income really morphed into a coaching call about removing all hesitations and barriers to reaching your fullest potential as a studio owner. So in this call, you'll hear us talk about how to set higher goals, how to focus your efforts on what you want, and ways that software and tools can help you get there faster. Let's dive right into my discussion with Eric Branner. Eric Branner, I'm so thrilled to have you on the Teach Music Online podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be here. I want to shoot some rapid fire questions at you so our audience can get to know you better. Let's go. <laughs> you don't know what's coming. <laughs> I don't. So <laughs> what is your favorite city in the United States? Oh, you know what? <laughs> That you know, I probably would say it's Seattle. It's my hometown. You know, I I moved out here to study guitar with a teacher of University of Washington after my undergrad, and I was a real country person. I'd grown up in a very rural part of Virginia, and I I remember driving across the I ninety bridge and seeing these massive mountains and the water and the Puget Sound and all the snow capped peaks that I'd never seen before, and I kind of fell in love with it. And then I kind of found my people here, and I ended up I was I, I came out for just a summer. And then found my musical people. I found my, met my now wife, my best friend. And so Seattle's been really good to me and it's been a great town to raise my kids in. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of having this like long-term love affair with it. Do you have a favorite country that you've traveled to outside of the U.S.? Ooh, you know, I have, well, I have a favorite country that I want to travel to next is that I want to, uh, I want to travel to Brazil next because my, my son studies capoeira. And he's been doing it for a no very way. long time. And he's, you know, he speaks Portuguese and he's, he's won a lot of international recognition as a young person doing capoeira. He was just kind of wow. this thing. And so all that capoeira comes from Brazil. And so we, our, our family really is like itching to get there next. So do you know which part of Brazil you'd go to? Like, I don't, I know that it's, it's like kind of off the beaten path. This is like a yeah. rural part of Brazil where this form of capoeira wow. first started. Okay. I'm going to follow up with you on yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. And the last one is when you aren't teaching or working, what are you doing? I'm hanging out with my, my family and my friends. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much, it. I love to cook, uh, love to be outside, but yeah, I've got, I'm in peak parenting right now. I've got a 17 year old and a 12 year old. So I'm spending a lot of time in basketball games and soccer games and doing that whole trip and really enjoying that. So awesome. Yeah. I love it. So recently, I, I want to start with 
talking with you about how we treat our students. And I wanted to talk about this because you posted about this recently inside on, on Facebook. And this is something you said. You said, practice teaching each student with absolute respect and dignity. See each student as gifted and bursting with potential. Share excitement to see them and feel honored to share your studio with them. See their potential to be incredible, inc incredibly accomplished, content, and decent. I like what an amazing message to be putting out into the world and how we should be treating our students. And we're talking today with music teachers. And I, I, I wondered if you could go with this a little further and, and share with us why you have such a strong belief in how we treat our students. Well, yeah, I just, I think it, it just, I, I heard this, there's a, there's a great story about this, about just treating people with extreme dignity and extreme respect and, and, and what that can actually what that can encourage and how empowering it can be. And as teachers, you know, I'm a, I'm, I love to teach music so much, but I've recently just kind of realized that I, when my students come into my studio, my eyes light up so much and I, I'm not, I can't fake that. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, how are you doing? Like, I love these kids and I love the adults they grow up into. And so I'm really grateful for that. And I've realized that's a big part of my teaching approach is to just absolutely believe in these people that I get to work with. And it happened naturally. And I don't think I ever really paid a whole lot of attention to it until later when they'd come back and we'd talk. And I was just feeling like we just had a natural, authentic relationship. And I was stoked to teach them guitar, which is what I did. But I think that idea of practicing teach actually everybody that you meet with extreme respect and dignity uh, is, is so powerful. You know, and there's a, I mean, it's, I, I heard this, there's this great story. I'll just, I'll try to truncate it down really quickly, but it's about, and it's so good. It's about these, these four monks that were living uh, in this beautiful forest and they were aging and they were, they used to be a big monastery and now nobody ever came and they were really forlorn about the state of the spiritual world. And they heard about this really wise rabbi down the street. So one of the monks went down and talked to him and they're like, is there anything we can do? And, uh, the rabbi's like, you know, there's, I'm afraid there's not, it's just a really tough time. And, but you know, I did, I did have a really interesting dream that one of you there was the Messiah. One of you monks was, was so crazy, just a weird dream. And so the, the, the monk goes back to his, on his way back to his monastery and he just thinks, oh my gosh, like, what if it's me? Or actually, what if it's, what if it's Tom or, or Steve? And so they all get wind of this and they start treating each other with this utmost respect as if one of them could be like the anointed human being. And, uh, and, and in that story, the monastery really grows. It's a, it's a, it's a classic a story that's told through like a lot of different disciplines, but the idea of it is treating people with so much respect is a great way to have a great outcome. And I think it's, especially talking about music lessons, it's the most important thing because we're in this digital world right now where people feel disconnected, people feel so lonely, people wanna be heard. And if you can make people just feel absolutely honored uh, by meaning it, it's it's really impactful. It's so beautiful. And it's such a great reminder that, well, first of all, our lives are a gift. What a beautiful gift our lives are. What a gift it is to interact with so many people on a daily basis. And then as teachers, we have the gift of music that we then get to share and literally give to others. And I, I love that mindset of abundance, like that's the word that comes to my mind. If we can live in gratitude and 
when we're grateful, we just have so much more respect for others because we, we see them differently and we're not looking at failures, faults, weaknesses nearly as much. I think when we can come kind of from that abundance mindset. Absolutely. I love that. There are teachers who are listening, who I talk with, who you talk with, who wonder if they can make a substantial living teaching online, in person, and wherever they are. And I thought today we could talk about the numerous ways and numerous reasons to continue teaching and growing in this career. And I wondered if you had any examples of teachers in your FONS community or things you've seen teachers doing to truly grow in their careers, whether it's rate or um, adding diversity, but kind of sharing with us what you've observed in this community of teachers over the last couple of years as you've built your FONS community. Mm, that's a great, you know, I, I could give hundreds of examples that I've just kind of followed, but I think mm -hmm. and, you know, th it's the easy, the easy fastball or the, the, of just being like, Oh, you know, it's, um, rate people raise their rates. They made a lot of money and yeah, lots of people did that. They figured out that communities wanted to support them. But I think what's really interesting is how much variety there can be. Like everyone can have a really unique model. And I, I see, you know, for instance, I see a lot of people get tired of one-on-one -on -one because it can be exhausting right? They feel like they've, and they, and they're like, I need to do something different. And I want to, maybe I'll try groups. And the thing that I really encourage is because I, I think anybody that has a base um, love of music and a love of sharing it and is able to see how much impact they can have on their community will in turn have a community that will support them to make a fabulous living. Like at least as much as an average lawyer can make, right? So it's like, you can make a great living doing it your own way it's going to be really hard to make a living streaming on Spotify. Like that's, we've determined that that's really difficult. So we'll keep it to the idea of teaching, but through life and through doing this for a long time, you have cycles. We have different amounts of energy. You know, when I had young children, I had no energy. So it was really difficult to maintain a private one-on-one -on -one studio, but I was really comfortable doing these group classes where people would come over and they kind of ran themselves on Thursday nights. And I'd have seven or eight people in my studio here having a great time. And that, I found that also coordinated to just like where my energy was for how I wanted to teach. So instead of having like a prescribed pathway, it seems like a lot of people do, you know, they come out of music school and they're really technically proficient. They have a ton of energy. That is a great time to work with young people. Right. Mm -hmm. And because, yeah, you know, an, an, a more experienced teacher say, oh, you don't have any experience, but that you, that energy is so powerful. And plus mm -hmm. they're not stuck in the dogma. And like one of my favorite stories is, uh, someone here from Seattle who graduated from art school, great pianist, uh, got out and just decided, I'm going to run a great business teaching private lessons, did all the things, uh, charged a great appropriate rate. Uh, and, you know, and then a year later, sent us in this letter saying, I'm standing in my home I just bought in Seattle, which is not a cheap market, right? I bought my home teaching. I can't believe that I'm doing this. I'm so stoked that I get to do this for like, in like 25 hours a week of work. It's perfect. But maybe in a year or two, they'll want to do something different. Maybe they'll want to branch into groups. Uh, maybe they'll want to start doing more YouTube. Uh, so I, I think there's tons of ways to do it. And, and a great question is to say, you know, what's what's interesting? You know, do you want to do the privates and max those out? I know people that charge amazing amounts of money teaching privates. I know people that make just that much doing groups. 
the danger is being driven by the, the say, I'm gonna, I need to make a lot of money. So I'm going to do a bunch of groups, right? It's got to be, I think doing groups is a great way to bring people together and teach them to play music together and to communicate and to share different ideas. In turn, I'm probably going to double be able to double my hourly rate by doing that. So I think that, you know, in any of these, these ideas we discussed today, I think it's great to start with what is the impact you can make on your community first to make these people feel more honored, to make yeah. them more stoked to work with you. Yes. Okay. So, so many great things. So someone's listening and they hear, you know, okay, I maybe raise my rates, maybe be, think more creatively. Um, one thing that we, you and I know is adding value to what you offer, um, in your studio package, in your studio environment, in your, as, as part of your community can really impact what you charge. It can impact student retention. It can impact word of mouth rates or the rate of word of mouth growth. Can we talk a little bit about what you've seen, how we can add value to your studio? I'll start with a few. Something that I love seeing teachers do is incorporate creative recitals, themed recitals, perhaps online virtual recitals. And pr the preparation for those, the performance that, that goes into preparing for a performance, all of that work is adding value to a studio. What are some others that you can think of for the value add? Oh, that's a really good one. And I, well, I think what you're saying right there is it, it brings the, the opportunity to perform, but also to bring people together, right? Mm -hmm. And if you think about who's your customer, and it's like, just to get a little bit, the customer is a, 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 is not the child, it's the parent. That's the person paying you, right? And we're and if we're just getting down to nuts and bolts and brass yeah. tacks, then it's like your customer is the parents and the community of parents that are potentially hiring you, unless you're teaching adults, and that's a different topic. But in that case, if you're making their child happy and on a path of being successful and cultured and learning a technical skill well or a creative skill well, that's the value. And so, like you mm -hmm. said, doing a, a recital is not just about getting them playing. It's about the preparation you're talking that we see people doing. It's like really cool stuff, whether they're doing some costumes or whether they get together before and they play in small groups or get to know each other. So I think uh, for me, one of the really big helpful things is getting people performing going out and doing open mics together. You know, I'd love to go accompany my mm -hmm. students and go play an open mic at like a cool spot in Seattle where some famous people had played or uh, love getting these small groups together, creating community. I try to look, you know, I teach a lot of adults too. And we read that the, the, the biggest issue that a lot of adults face in the United States right now is loneliness and lack of purpose. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're like, okay, well, cool. Like people are lonely. Like, yeah, coming and hanging out with me in my studio. That's pretty cool really impactful, but like, what if they come over and see three other people that listen to similar types of music every week and you'll mm -hmm. unwind a little bit, have some time to connect. And then maybe they go play an open mic together. And it's like, well, then what if they go play, you know, at their aunt's retirement home or whatever and do, and do a gig. So now they're giving something back or everyone goes into a lot of my adult students will go to their grandkids schools and I'll have them be like, no, you, this is your gig. You got to go play for this kindergarten class. And I'm going to show you how to play froggy when important and take this big book in, you're going to rock this. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and then you're really owning this narrative of, of just doing awesome work. And mm -hmm. like what you're saying, that, that is the base that you want to build for having a successful build or business. Yes. And I, I, I'm glad you mentioned the rethinking things perhaps a few years in. So the student out of college is excited, has this, all this momentum to teach young kids. And maybe a few years later, they're going, 
you know, this might not be my thing right now. Let's try group and encouraging teachers to be inspired by what they see others doing, to be inspired by what they feel like trying out. I hear a lot of teachers that are researching group lessons like crazy and considering it and thinking about it for years and before they actually do it. And so like, I want to encourage them to like tomorrow, like get on your computer tomorrow and type out a description of what that would look like with you and start in January, right? Like there's no need to wait to start shifting and trying new things. No, that's so beautiful. Yeah. And because we have the energy and it's like, and waiting is, yeah, that, that I, I love everything you just said is it's respecting too that our energies change and, and to stay engaged in life, things change, right? And you mm-hmm. want to try and you should try different things and you should whatever, try a YouTube channel or try group lessons. Or, you know, in my case, I built a technology company and loved it and found like, oh my gosh, I'm really happy. And I was teaching the whole time, but it got to a point where I couldn't teach as much as I wanted to. Mm. And then what happened is I started desperately missing it. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh man, I'm so grateful that I'm missing teaching. Right. And so I'm teaching as much as I can right now, a couple of days a week. And I know that when the time comes, I'll go back to it, but probably in a different way. Right. I might, I don't know where I'll focus my efforts, but like some days I, I went to see my favorite or one of my favorite classical guitarists in recital on Saturday night. And I left that hall and I was like, oh, I would love to do like a kid's serious classical guitar thing uh, that I kind of like I did like 10 years ago here in Seattle, take a small group of young people mm-hmm. and put them through a serious technical training at a young age to be, be like monster Spanish classical guitar players. And, oh, it'd be so fun, you know? And I was like, I got to home, wrote it down. And, you know, those are, that's what makes life fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, it's so great. Write all the ideas down and try them one at a time. Like, I, I think a lot of teachers, music teachers don't realize what entrepreneurs they are. And they don't think like, they just think I'm just a teacher down the street. You know, I just teach who's in my neighborhood and who from the school, but it's like, no, you're a business owner. You're an entrepreneur. You have creativity, you have ideas, you have sparks, you have imagination. We see it in our, in our forums that we're involved in, in our communities. I see it in teach music online where they just hear something and they think, Oh, that sounds like something I could try or I can do. And I, I, I don't know why there's just such a wall of resistance of Mm. trying something new. And maybe it's a fear of failure. It's a fear of no one's going to take, you know, I'm not sure what that resistance might be. Or judgment. You know, as you were saying that it occurred to me that, and I I don't know why I've never really thought of this before, but like all of us, we were the creative kids in school, right? Mm -hmm. We were the kids that were like, maybe we were outcasts or maybe that was our thing that we were, we were artists. Right. And then suddenly we're adults and we, and we missed that spark to be able to be like, that's what made us the creative kids. Mm-hmm. We do wild stuff and try new things and do creative ways of, of seeing and doing, and maybe real life just kind of, you know, as you become an adult, you become less inclined to think of it as a risk, even though it's not a risk, it's just, you know, some uh, testing a pivot or maybe there's a little bit of risk, but it's really interesting to think and to maybe try to tap back into the fact that like, yeah, who was I like, would 16 year old me think it's cool that it's taking me three years to try a group cl- lessons class? Probably not. <laughs> like 16 year old me would have like done this, you know, blown it up and either succeed or not. So I think that's a great reference. Oh, awesome. Something that I have 
seen growing and seeing you share about is the Fonz Marketplace. And I, I wondered if you could share with us a little bit about what, first of all, someone might not know what Fonz is. So maybe a brief overview of what Fonz is and then what a great tool Marketplace can be to help aid teachers in their marketing. Got it. Yeah. So, so Fonz is a, basically, it's a scheduling payments business platform for music teachers and music schools uh, that's now Fonz by Make Music. We became part of the uh, Make Music brand of families. It was like Finale, Alfred Publishing last year. Uh, and so that, that's our mission is to basically build business tools for music teachers to become more successful and to have better relationships with them and their students, right? So to, to help create a base so these music teachers can make great livings. That's what we do. And the marketplace is really interesting in that it began as a feature on Fonz, which uh, we acquired, Fonz acquired a, a website that was really big in the early 2000s called learningmusician.com. And learningmusician.com was one of the first marketplaces like Thumbtack or Take Lessons. Uh, and they had about 20,000 music teachers on it, great SEO. And we just baked that into Fonz and to use that domain authority, right? And gave all of our Fonz teachers their own basically web, web page uh, for a marketplace profile where they could be discovered via a Google search or um, via the, the marketplace engine itself, or they could share that like a digital business card or a digital, digital web page. So anyway, in this last year, uh, we, we realized that it's a more the merrier type thing where we are really, we would love to have marketplace really have as much viability as something like take lessons or thumbtack. And what's different is we don't charge any fees on top of it, right? It's truly just a marketplace where people can be found. And it's very unlike the other things. There's not, you have to make an account to sign in to see your teacher. The teacher has to pay for a lead. Marketplace isn't like that. So we broke marketplace out into a standalone kind of its, its, its own deal where anyone can sign up and they can build their marketplace profile and they can be discovered. And so we just, we've just released this in the last couple of months. It's been really powerful. And it, it's such a win-win because like if I have my marketplace listing for uh, guitar lessons in West Seattle, you know, even in like a primary market, it can really dial into your neighborhood or your locality and come up very high customers or new students can reach you very simply. What's awesome. And you might be like, well, Hey, all these fonts, people that are paying for them. Well, that's not fair. Well, it actually helps them too, because the more people that are on it, the more domain authority we have. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is actually a win-win for everybody. And now that we are, uh, we're partnering with organizations like Suzuki association of America and with Alfred and with make music, wow, we can build cool. this, this nucleus of saying, hey, here's a great way for music teachers to have a nice online presence, an easy way to be discovered, mm -hmm. great search engine optimization. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, and it's a great way for people to learn about Fonz in the community too. So it's kind of, it's, it's a great win-win. We're really excited about it. Oh, that's so great. It's great to hear something that I try to help teachers understand and, and do and walk them through the steps and teach music online is building a business has a lot of foundational blocks that you have to build before it grows. And one of some of those blocks include your online presence and establishing your online presence as, as soon as possible via your Google business, Facebook page, a website, and Fonz Marketplace is another fantastic location so that when people are searching your name, they find you, they can read about you, they can get social proof, they can schedule a trial lesson. And in time, I'm seeing that teachers are having amazing results from putting themselves out there online. And this is new for teachers. 
a lot of teachers who I work with in their, you know, who've been teaching for a decade or two or three decades have never needed or wanted to put anything online. <laughs> and it's just these small, simple steps that take a few weeks, if that, to set up, but then teachers can really see an amazing outcome in the coming months and years. Oh yeah. And, and if, and if you just see like a community music teacher, someone who's teaching to try to improve their, their location of where they live or maybe online or whatever, mm -hmm. they're so popular right now. Like all the teachers that we work with, they're slammed. They have these waiting lists. And I don't know if you saw that, you know, uh, um, school of rock just got acquired in a major deal that was just a huge and school of rock's very different, obviously, but it's a great sign for what the market believes yeah. music education is going to be over the next 10 years. And to position yourself as like this comfortable, safe human being that really knows who you're working with is such an awesome business model. And it's, it is mm. not going away and it's going to become you know, profoundly important as we become more digitally disconnected. So it's, you're mm. right. It's a great time. Just do those little things that you can, you know, get yourself out there even though you still might have most of your students come through word of mouth, they yeah. may have seen that. They may have seen your, your website first and then asked their friend. And then their friend said, Oh, mm -hmm. you should go see Carly. They're like, Oh gosh, of course. I knew I saw that somewhere. It's about those touch points. Yes. And, and teachers listening, like, again, I want to <laughs> mention the like hesitation, the block, the, like, they've heard me mention this probably now 10 times because they listen to this podcast but it's now is the time to, <laughs> to stop like waiting or waiting for someone to come and hold your hand and really take those steps. And I think Fonz and Teach Music Online are both these amazing resources where you have people that can literally walk you through step-by-step. Step. You know, I was so impressed a, a year, about a year ago, or maybe two, I got on a call with someone on the Fonz team who I was just, I had some questions about setting up group classes and masterclass and I mean, they'll show you ex everything. They'll do it with you. They'll do it for you. And it, you don't have to just do it all by yourself. It's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. And just making the, I feel like this is the direction this talk's <laughs> going is like, just do it. Like, you know, yeah. that in the, in the startup world that I'm still, I still feel a part of, even though we're not technically a startup anymore. It's so fun to just do stuff, break things, try, you know, it, put it yeah. out there and see what you love. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've probably shared this with your, with your group before, but that, that, that great, I think it was Seth Godin talking to like, was it Harvard business school? No, it was like Berkeley school of music or some, something or Juilliard it was Juilliard. And he was saying, Hey, post Instagram every day for a hundred days, this hundred day challenge. You remember this? And, yeah. you know, and post whatever, you know, post yourself performing, post up practicing, but after like 13 days, 15 days, you're going to start seeing something. Right. And you're going to start seeing what, what do I like to do? What are people responding mm -hmm. to? And it's this idea of just choosing something, not being overwhelmed by the amount of things there are doing. And I think this may be one of the things that bogs people down is they're like, I want to open a brick and mortar. I want to do group lessons. I need to, I'm going to have to get four new pianos. I'm going to need a module to be able to do this. I have to get headphones and people start stressing out when you're like, mm -hmm. oh no, pick one thing to add into your already awesome thing. Try group lessons, try these masterclasses, like do these stop in masterclasses that you do every other week right? You know, or where, whatever it is, pick one thing and try it, stick to it for a couple months, see how you like it. If you don't like it, you can stop doing it. Right. So I think that's, that's There's the no message. pressure. No. Yes. Uh -uh. I, I have noticed this amazing difference when I watch teachers who 
confidently move forward with the belief that it's going to work versus those who are questioning, who wonder how long is it going to take before someone signs? You know, that's a question we hear a lot. Like, okay, I want to join your program, but how many weeks before I have four students, you know, that oh. <laughs> like, can you, t- I, I want to say, I just have one month to fill my, you know, and they want the assurance. And I want to tell them that assurance is actually you just choosing to be sure. Like, Eric, you're going to open some group classes potentially, and you are positive (laughs) when you open those spaces, you will fill them. Like there's not even a question in your mind. It's just like, oh yeah, I'll do that. And when we approach decisions with that surety and confidence, amazing things happen. I mean, we could talk all about manifesting and, you know, those books to talk about what you create for yourself, but I truly have seen it because of working with teachers really actually happen for, for people that believe that they can do it. Oh, absolutely. And especially like I, as you were telling me that I was thinking about the great failures, like when you have a great idea and you just know it's Mm going to work and it totally falls apart. But then as you're sitting there crying and no one showed up to your thing, and then the person walks in the bar of your gig, (laughs) it it becomes the, the love of your life, you know, or whatever. It's like these stories, like it's all part of, you have to go forward. You have to do it. And you have to keep your eyes open. That, that, that's another big piece is like, you keep your eyes open mm-hmm. to what's happening. If you're putting out content, no one seems to care. Well, maybe your content's not that good and be open to that without judging yourself because that's okay. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. We all do stuff. that's not great on our path to becoming awesome and letting that judgment go and just keep going and then pivoting until suddenly, you know, it's, we talk about this all the time too, is when people succeed, everyone just assumes that artist or that business owner, just, it just happened for them. And it's like the pathway there is just full of so much pain and suffering. And that's like the beauty of it. You know, that's like, that is what mm. makes art and life meaningful. So mm. yeah, I, I love what you're oh. saying. It's really exciting. There's a, someone I follow, her name's Jody Moore. She's a life coach and she, she says, be willing to suck at stuff. Like, just like actually be willing to be the worst at posting an Instagram reel. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, I, what, what's my back? What am I, what's my hook? What's all these things. And you just have to be willing to be really quite terrible. We know so many like famous authors who we have didn't read their first probably dozen books or five, five to 10 books before they have something that really works out. And I think it can absolutely be true for our field, for our industry, where the first few tries feel messy. They feel, uh, they feel like not pretty, And that's, it's okay because that's the learning process. That's the refinement that we go through before we get that spark, like you said. Mm. And how about, here's an interesting, uh, just piggybacking off what you're saying is making space. I'm sure there's people that listen to this, that they're like, you know what? This sounds terrifying. The last thing I want is a million Instagram followers, right? I want to be, I want to live a quiet life, a pastoral life. I want to, you know, I played organ at my church every Sunday. I love that. Uh, I want to have 20 students that, that I love so much and I don't want, and that mm. is also so beautiful. And and that's okay too, because you can make an incredible life out of that, of, of, of knowing what you actually want. And it's, um, mm. you know, we, yeah, you, and you can do that with the same intensity that we're talking about growing a business or building a business or scaling a business. You can be spectacularly impactful. Like we talked about at the very beginning which is that I'm going to create a life where I'm so devoted to these 25 kids 
and to whatever my congregation or whatever, whatever it is I'm doing. And I'm so stoked on it. And I know that every one of these kids is going to go out and like be a light in the world because they knew me and like, oh my gosh, when you're like the things I'm most proud of right now, as far as my career are the students that come back and visit me. You know, like I got to watch one of my students made his major league soccer debut. He's a professional athlete, but he played guitar all through high school. And like that, you know, and I was there and, you know, we hugged it out and he gave my son his Jersey and, you know, and my son's an athlete and they hang out and play basketball together now. So these cycles of how much we can impact people as a musician doesn't have to be, you know, a huge online presence. It can Mm -hmm. be a community-based presence and you get to decide that, but it's really fun to it to know and still you can move forward at a micro level too you mm-hmm. can be tremendously impactful with group mm-hmm. lessons in your community so i, I think it's a because i think a lot of people feel that way they feel scared they're like that's not what i want right i want to i want to, i do this because i want to have a simple existence and that's just as gorgeous but you can do it with the same enthusiasm you can do it and mm-hmm. be awesome So good. Well, circling back to kind of our beginning, we were hoping to talk about the variety of ways that teachers can make an income. And I I feel like we have touched on group lessons and one-on-one and and this creative, like uh, creative approach to rethinking how we're teaching. And I want to just touch on how simple Fawn's can really make that process for someone who doesn't understand the uh, the um, automation side or the business setup for doing those things. Because that also keeps people from actually making that step is, well, I don't even know what to charge or where to charge or how frequently to bill them. Or So maybe really brief, let's just talk about what FONS enables teachers to do as far as the different setup they can create for their studio offerings. Sure. And, and maybe at like just a higher level to be, and to be just yeah. really brief, not get into the weeds. You know, there's, there's a, we're t- all these things we're talking about that keep us from doing things. We call it their friction, right? It's like mm-hmm. something that's keeping you from putting your shoes on and going for a run, you know, friction. And Fonz tries to iron out that friction between me, the guitar teacher, and my student or the parent of my student, if it's child, the person paying me. That's the business transaction that many music teachers really struggle with. The people that we are serving, they don't struggle with it at all. Kids don't care. And the parents are usually professionals, right? Uh, if you know, So what Fonz tries to do is automate that relationship in a way that says, okay, Carly, I'm going to teach your kids guitar. That's so great. Um, all you have to do is uh, sign you up for your time and I'll automatically bill you one of these methods either like flat rate mm-hmm. every month or every lesson when you show up. There's, there's three or four billing models that we automate. But once that's done, everything is automated from the cancellation policy, yeah. if you have it. Uh, and it makes scheduling so simple to where all the friction's removed, to where you're not talking about money in your studio. It's And that's classy, right? The parents do not want to deal with that. The parents want to come and see their kids thrive and pay you. They don't want to read lengthy policies or statements. They just, <laughs> they want to experience what you have to offer. So that's always been the ethos of Fonz is like taking kind of a, a music studio like I ran and trying to take all that side of it and bake it in down as simply as possible that does mm-hmm. maximize the amount of money that I make, but also minimizes the amount of confusion between me and my clients to right to where it's, you know, it can, you don't have people showing up at your studio when you're in the airport going home for Thanksgiving, like has happened to me many times over the years, but you know, that we're trying to remove those friction points. 
Oh, so well said. Thank you so much. Yes. Such a great conclusion. I think we want to remove friction so that we can teach so that we can impact so that we can have growth and gosh, the hours spent figuring those things out when you don't have something set up in advance, that's that, that automates it for you. So thank you so much. Eric, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. Gosh, this is so fun. Oh, what a a great chat. I feel like we could just chat all day long. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I look forward to doing it again. I am so grateful that Eric took some time to share some thoughts with us today. My hope is that this discussion lit a bit of a fire in you to make some needed changes in your business. So if you are bored, ready for change or eager to raise your rates. Maybe you're ready to try group lessons or something like this and add it to your studio, then this is your sign to do it. We believe in you and we know that it's possible. When you are ready to take your studio to the next level, I would love to invite you to join the Teach Music Online membership. Inside the membership, you will find every single step you need to upgrade your studio. And this doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you are fresh out of college, starting your studio from scratch, or you've been teaching for 20 years. And I can't tell you how many teachers who have emailed me saying, I thought I knew how to run my business, and then I joined TMO. And holy cow, the changes that I've made that I wish I would have made years ago. I can't tell you how many teachers have said that to me. In addition to courses, we offer coaching calls and an incredible community of expert online teachers. The membership is currently closed, but please join the waitlist so that you can be the first to know when we reopen in 2024, early 2024. You can join the waitlist at teachmusic.online. I hope you have a great week and I'll see you next time.